On today's episode, Noah and I talk with Tommy Dean, author of the Flash Collection Covenants. Welcome to episode 30 of The Chat Book. I'm your host, Noah Stetzer. And I'm Ross White. Noah and I are the directors and editors at Bull City Press, which publishes chapbooks and occasionally full-length books of poetry, fiction, and nonfiction. We started this podcast to celebrate our love of chapbooks, to go behind the scenes of the publishing process, and to highlight the folks who write chapbooks and the folks who make chapbooks. One of my favorite people on Twitter is here today, a writer who keeps it brief. I think it's easy to say chat books and first think of poetry. And we certainly contribute to that habit. But oh, yes, prose, we do. Yeah, right. Uh, prose, especially in the form of flash fiction, is also uniquely suited to the format. So today we're going to talk with flash author Tommy Dean and a little about our guest. Dean lives in Indiana with his wife and two children. He is the author of a flash fiction chat book entitled Special Like the People on TV from Redbird Chatbooks. Shout out Redbird. Uh, he is the editor in chief at Fractured Lit. And today we're going to talk about his collection called Covenants, now out from ELJ Editions. For more information and all the links, of course, always go to the show notes. Welcome, Tommy Dean. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. We're really glad to have you. So I want to jump right in and talk a little bit about um, Covenants uh, from the perspective of sort of the universe where Covenants takes place. A quality to the stories that I noticed as a reader was that the, the flash pieces seem to occur in a very specific universe that was very richly evoked. And along with that, I mean, if this was a book of poems, I think we'd be talking about eco-poetics. But I, I'm curious about your thoughts on that. Um, so I, I thought uh, to get us started, if, if you could talk a little bit about sort of the environmental concerns that inform your book, and maybe a little bit about the, if, if you'll allow this, the Covenant's uh, cinematic universe, if there actually is one. <laughs> uh, what a wonderful question. I actually don't think of myself as like an eco writer very often, but I'm definitely here stuck in the middle of the Midwest in Indiana, uh, surrounded by, you know, cornfields and lakes. Um, and so it's hard not to think about water quality and temperatures. Um, as I was putting this uh, checkbook together, I was thinking of a dystopian kind of world um, even though the stories have been written probably over a five to eight year period, um, putting them together, this all felt like, to me, like what the new world might look like. And, and I do think now that you mention it, like eco is going to be a big problem, right? Or a big shaper of the world that we're in. Um, it's weird for me to think that you know, in 2030, 2040, Indiana might be a place where lots of people want to move because the water won't reach us the way that the coast will, which is just an awful thought to have. So I think part of that was, yeah, I was just thinking about like, what will this next world look like? And, and what will these people need to do in order to survive in these, these small moments in these worlds without building the whole thing? And then just the idea of covenants, you know, the idea of like a promise, right? Like that this, you know, in a judo Christian type kind of setting, like this world was kind of promised to us, Earth was in some ways. And, and what that promise might look like, is it still a promise? Uh, and also the promises that we make to each other just trying to survive 
relationships, the world. So that's kind of where I was thinking of it. Uh, that story, um, Covenants, uh, that, that's the title, kind of gave the whole idea of like, we dare to live here. And so therefore, maybe there are promises that might be, might be broken or have to be broken. Now, Tommy, you mentioned that these stories were written over a five to eight year period. So obviously, in the interim, you were up to some other things. What made these 14 stories come together in your mind? And why, why are these 14 stories a chapbook? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I think poets deal with this a lot too, right? Like you're always thinking about maybe theme as you start to put them together, but not necessarily as you're writing them. Um, I can tell you that after like this is my third kind of book and I'm working on my fourth now that I actually picked a theme for this new one that I'm actually going to try to focus on as I write. But otherwise, yeah, it was just kind of scattershot over the last five, eight, ten years. And it was it. And I was also building um, my full Flash collection, Hollows, which is out from Alternating Current Press, uh, officially March 14th, so by the time this airs, and and trying to figure out which ones went with Hollows and which one went with Covenants and how those themes kind of cross a bit. And so I was invited to submit a chapbook to ELJ by Damon and Ariana. And so I was like, well, what do I have? (laughs) Um, And how can I make a chapbook? So it was a little bit of serendipity, I think. And then I just started looking at the pieces that were like covenants, that were dystopian in some way. And and also maybe as Noah was saying, uh, some kind of eco-concerned. And some of that, I think, is subconscious, just the way you are when you're writing, when you're putting pieces together. It's rereading your own work, um, which hopefully feels okay. <laughs> Sometimes you're like, oh, that story is not ready for, for prime time anymore. Um, or it just doesn't fit with, with the tenor or the feeling of the stories. Um, so I can't say that I have like a sure way of, of doing it uh, by any means. But these are the stories that came together underneath this kind of banner of, of covenants or dystopian flash. This one was solicited. So you sort of looked to make the book in in response to that stimulus, but you've got some other collections, some other shorter collections of flash. Did those come about in more organic way? Not to say that, that this was not an organic process, but did those come about in a different way? Uh, I mean, in some of the same ways, I think it's stumbling in the dark and I had no one, no one was asking for the other collections, right? Uh, it was one of the reasons I think that Hollows took 10 years to publish because I was constantly putting stuff in and taking stuff out and trying to make it feel like a cohesive kind of book, but also one that that people wanted to read story from story to story because Flash is as short as it is, even you know, with poetry as well, it could take a lot of the reader to read something even that's so short. So to read more than four or five poems or four or five flashes in a row is difficult. Where sometimes a 500 page book does not feel as difficult. Um, if that makes sense, just because you need so much more from the reader as you're going through. Um, and hopefully the reader is thinking about the story when they're finished. So that was part of my process uh, for putting together some of these other collections, especially Hollows, was just my writing was getting better and better. But just because my best writing in a story didn't mean that it necessarily fit what I was trying to do. So I think that's part of it. And with this new collection um, that I'm working on that I'm probably maybe a third of the way through, which is even weird to say out loud, I've already been thinking about like working on stories about violence and, and stories about like 
the the events right before violence and like how this changes people or doesn't change people or what happens in these moments. And it's weird to me to think every time I sit down, like now I have a specific thing I'm trying to tackle, which sometimes is helpful. And sometimes it's like, no, I don't want to write about violence today. <laughs> you mentioned something about the quality of reading flash collections and its similarity to poetry. I, I want to share uh, a sentence that you wrote. I want to read it back to you. It's the final sentence in your story, Polar. And it goes like this. The chop of the axe through sinew and bone, the animal grasp towards safety severed as she dematerializes into her own ripple of wing beats. That, my friend, is an amazing sentence. Yeah. Tell me what the hell, man. Why are you not a poet? Yeah. There does seem to be a certain poetic quality to flash in general, right? The concision, the, the brevity, each, each word and sentence is, is so carefully crafted. Uh, and I just wondered if you could talk a little bit about that question. Like, where does the poetry work for you? Like, how does yeah. it come to your, to your process? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I'm not a poet because I, that was one sentence, right? In one story. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think in poetry, you have to do that over and over and over again. <laughs> so, and not that you can't do this in poetry, but I just really love narrative. I really, really love working with, with characters um, and then making choices. And I think for me, at least, and I'm not a poet, but poetry is more a perseveration on an image or an idea and not necessarily the action of a character. Again, that can happen in poetry, but it's a necessary thing in story. And I like to put that into my flash. Now, you can have flash that's more prose poetry-ish. We don't really want to get into that (laughs) type of (laughs) defining. Um, But for me, not only do I want characters acting and making choices and, and the pressure of the conflict on them, I really want to push the language as hard as I can the more you compress, I feel like the more you have to push language in a direction that, that's new, inviting, maybe even a little a little scary, a little stop. Like you could tell, and I'm no, you know, grammatarian or anything. I don't know if that's a word. <laughs> uh, but I use a lot of clauses. And, and mm-hmm. even in that sentence, like I'm slowing the reader down. And that's always a fear. Like is this the point where I want to slow them down? Is this the point where we want to kind of escalate and, and have some velocity? And at the end, I think it's a perfect time to slow down. And, and I think that those moments are the, the times when I kind of slip in and I want to say something, right? I want to give mm-hmm. meaning because uh, that's definitely an authoritative voice there that maybe wasn't in the rest of the piece. And sometimes you can get away with that. And I'm glad that you feel that I did get away with that because it even bends into some, some fabulism and some metaphor. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting ready to teach a class in May about um, like metaphors, not just for poets um, and looking at flash uh, and how metaphor works to, to build depth and flash. And the shorter something is, the more you need a metaphor to kind of build that second story or that depth. So, so I yeah, I'm not a poet, but I do really like to push the language as much as I can um, that hopefully doesn't get in the way of, of characterization. So thank you. <laughs> Yeah, well, you've got two poets very much admiring the quality of the prose. And I wonder, Tommy, would you be willing to read us one of the flashes from Covenants? I'll read one that I think kind of actually has some poetry moments as well. That maybe that maybe you'll enjoy. Um, it's called Wave. Um, and this was originally uh, published in the J- Journal of Compressed 
Creative Arts, uh, run by Randall Brown. And I actually wrote this on an airplane coming back from AWP whenever it was in DC last, 2018 maybe? So here we go, which I don't normally do. Wave. You've started talking through the picket fence of your teeth, drawing me closer with every lisping word. Your breath smells of wilting dandelions, a sugary spike that pokes at the nerve endings in my toes. Your pleas like broken cartilage wrapped in cellophane as you decide if this is the last time you'll leave me. Say it, I beg, but your nose only whistles the tune we haven't yet placed on the map of your soiled emotions. I beat at your chest, but the birdcage only rattles, keyless, fragile as plastic fork tines, yet unyielding. Anything unbreakable I find endlessly irritating. Maybe love is one knob turn of agitation away from complete surrender, but that would be too easy for people like us. I'll say it then, my mouth opening, teeth bridging the gap between object emptiness and the sated timber of intimacy decoded into language, but... And here the fuel needle of my need for you dips, trails, hitches like a hiccup never expressed. Because your tears won't stop the goddamn door from slamming shut. Or the echo that reverberates into space, a place where all I can see is the backlit shadow of your back. Bent like those unbreakable combs given away on picture day. Boys like you worrying them until they snapped. You push my head to your chest, but keep walking until we're outside. Night vision lit, my blood vessels traitorously flowing towards you, and earthly gravity I regret. I start to yell, but you say, you only want the quiet parts of me. I stomp, I clap, I shout, dancing in the off-rhythm way that follows the earthquakes of your departures. Every month, I take down a new door, leaving them on the curb for the trash man, small offerings to the spirits of unnamed barriers. Cabinet doors pop from their hinges, exposing industrial cleaners and solvents. Cups from shuttered restaurants, plates with scratches from your overzealous stabbing of beef and potatoes. The Disney cups bought at garage sales for nickels while we joked about needing them for the children, the ones the second marriage was supposed to provide. The cartoon faces twisting toward garish impression of joy you obviously never felt. When you stand on the porch, your hand pushing through the empty doorway, I think of snorkeling in Jamaica. How you almost drowned, your lungs mistaking water for air, your arms retracing away from the fish below, sure you were about to be bitten. I want to give you a tour of my obsession, but you've always hated mania, and I won't apologize. You've come back, I say, but you're still working out how I can dare to live in a state of unprotected bodily harm. I've gotten ridden of the alarm, too, the baseball bat hidden under your side of the bed. You've come back? This time the question closes to the frequency of a liquid metal being struck by the bow of a violin, and you wave, and you wave, and you... Thank you so much. That was a terrific reading. I, I, your attention to sound comes through a lot. You mentioned that this perhaps might be a more poetic piece that we would respond to, um, which I appreciate. But uh, you, you said the phrase, after a sentence with a lot of the B sounds in it, you said the phrase, earthly gravity, I regret. And I just could not stop hearing that. Like the, the attention to the, the sound of the, the letters in that is just gorgeous. Thank you so much. Oh. Thank you. Tommy, it's time for our quick round, which is sort of its own chapbook inside the chapbook. It's a brief collection of quick questions and quick answers. I'm ready. Question number one, daylight saving time. What do you think? 
Oh, it's the worst. Can we just have one clock time and be done with it? It's fake. (laughs) Next question. What is one bookstore you want everyone to know about? I don't have a bookstore in my little town of 15,000 people. Um, There is Indie Reads in Indianapolis, Indiana, which is probably the closest kind of independent bookstore I can get to. But there's also a novel idea in Philadelphia that I will be reading at uh, during AWP this year. All right. Question number three, which flash fiction writer most inspired your own writing? Oh, great question. Uh, Has to be Kathy Fish. Um, Not only her writing, which is just amazing and by far the best, um, but she's been so nurturing and such a mentor uh, to me as I've, I've done my own my own writing. Next question. The character Nathan shows up in several of these flash pieces. In your imagination, what's that character doing now? Um, thinking about the dystopian idea of this, I think he's surviving somewhere. Hopefully he's found someone uh, that he loves <laughs> and that they can grow old together. I think that's the ultimate hope, even in a dystopian world. Question five, you're the editor in chief at Fractured Lit. What's one thing you think our listeners should know about Fractured Lit? Uh, we love, love, love flash fiction. We want to publish the the absolute best, exciting, thrilling flash fiction that we can from writers of all starts, underrepresented writers, people of color, just amazing flash fiction. Final question. How can folks find you online? I am on Twitter a lot, uh, as Ross had mentioned in the very beginning. So the best place to find me is Twitter. Um, I love talking with writers. Um, I also have a website, TommyDeanWriter.com. I have a Substack. Um, I teach classes on flash fiction, a lot of uh, get started in flash kind of things. Um, so I'm all over the place, I guess. All right. We'll have some links for those items in our show notes today. Listeners, if you haven't already done so, click subscribe to The Chap Book. You can get new episodes as soon as they drop and tell your friends. Let them subscribe too. We're on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, and all the other major pod places. If you have a moment, let us know what you think. Rate us five stars, send in ideas, suggestions, and rants to our email at chapbook at bullcitypress.com. The best way to find out what we're up to is to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bull City Press or visit BullCityPress.com. You can find that guy on Twitter. He's at DC Noah. And you can find that guy on Twitter. He's at Ross White. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Tommy. Thank you. 